You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. Luke chapter number 11. We are in a series entitled Back to the Basics. Getting back to the basics of the Christian life. And this series is all about developing a strong personal relationship with Jesus Christ and growing spiritually. That's what every single series, every single message is all about, growing spiritually and developing a strong personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are now on week six of our Back to the Basics series. And this week, we are getting back to the basics by getting back to prayer. We are going to look at what the Bible says concerning prayer and how you and I can grow in our prayer life. Because that is one of the most important things in all the world is praying and talking to Almighty God. Now, I've studied a lot on prayer in my years of ministry and through seminary and preparing for this message. And just in my walk with the Lord, I've discovered two different things concerning prayer. And that would be this. Number one, we are wired to pray. We are created to pray. And number two, we really don't know anything about prayer. Those are two things that I've discovered over my studies on prayer. Those are some things that I've realized, and I believe I can pray it, or prove it, I should say. Uh, We are wired to pray. You see, God created us in such a way that prayer seems natural, right? It's, It's part of our human makeup. It's natural for us to pray. And if you think about it, everybody prays. Every single person prays. Some people pray to their dead ancestors. Some people pray to idols. Some people pray to some kind of cosmic force. Some people pray to themselves. But for followers of Jesus Christ, we pray to the living, one true God. And because we pray to a living God, he hears us and answers our prayer. But every single one of us, we are created to pray. We are wired to pray. But I've not only realized that, I've also discovered that uh, we don't know anything about prayer. That's another thing that I've realized. We really don't know much about prayer. In our modern society today, we have access to a lot of information about prayer, but we are pretty illiterate when it comes to true biblical prayer. We really are. For instance, if you were to search the word prayer on Google, you would get 1,600,000,000 results. Now, that's a lot of information. But if you were to read all that the internet had to say concerning prayer, you would be left with more questions than answers. You wouldn't know where to begin, all of the contradictions, all of the, the different beliefs. We have a lot of information, but in reality, we are biblically illiterate concerning prayer. We don't know anything about it. But I'd like to change that this morning. That's my goal for today. And what we're going to do is we are going to learn some truths about prayer. And we aren't going to get our information from Google. We are going to get our information from God. And we're going to learn from the greatest teacher of all, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that brings me to our text today in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. Now, at the time that this was written, uh, Jesus was near to the middle or end of his ministry, and he was with his disciples in the town of Bethany. And the Bible tells us that he was praying and talking to God, and he was praying passionately and powerfully. And the Bible tells us that as he finished praying, he was asked this question by his disciples. 
He was asked something by his disciples. And that brings me to our text today in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. They asked the Lord to teach them to pray. Now, it's interesting to point out that this is actually the only thing recorded in the Bible that the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. The only thing, which is fascinating to me because these disciples witnessed Jesus doing the remarkable time and time again. Throughout his ministry, they saw Jesus performing many miracles, but they never said, Lord, teach us to perform miracles. They never did it. They heard Jesus preach incredible sermons time and time again, but they never said, Lord, teach us to preach. But when it came to prayer, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Which inclines me to believe that the prayer of Jesus had to have been pretty incredible in order for them to ask that. You see, Jesus in this moment is praying. And what the disciples see and hear between Jesus and his father is so attractive and so wonderful and so intimate and so different than what that they had seen in religion that they are left with this unquenchable desire to experience what Jesus has. And so when he finished praying, the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And you want to know what the Lord Jesus did? You want to know his response? He said, sure. He said, I'd love to. We see his response in verses 2 through 4. The Bible says, And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now let me ask you, does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound like anything to you? Well, if you're thinking it sounds like what we know of today as the Lord's Prayer, then you'd be right. This is a rendition of the Lord's model prayer that we know of today. But again, this response of Jesus is really interesting because this is actually the second time the disciples have heard this prayer model being taught. The second time. The first time they heard it was in Matthew chapter 6 at the beginning of Christ's ministry at the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was teaching publicly to thousands of people at the Sermon on the Mount and he taught them this model prayer, the model prayer that we know of today. He was teaching publicly, but this time in Luke chapter 11, he isn't teaching publicly, he's teaching privately one-on-one -on -one with his disciples. And he is teaching them this closer to the end of his ministry, not the beginning, which is really interesting. So when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus didn't give them something new to learn, but he instead backs up and repeats one of the first prayer lessons he ever gave them. In other words, he goes back to the basics and he teaches them on prayer. You see, it wasn't some new lesson on prayer that these disciples needed. Rather, it was a fresh understanding of it. 
And so he teaches them what they've already heard. And the same thing applies with you and I today. Sometimes to grow our faith, to grow in our spiritual walk with God, to grow in our prayer life, it doesn't take some new method or some new teaching. It takes going back to the basics and looking what the, at what the Bible has to say on the matter. And that's what Jesus did. He went back to the basics and taught them that Lord's Prayer once again. But it's interesting. If you notice, in Luke chapter 11 to Matthew chapter 6, there's actually some different wording used. I don't know if you noticed it, but it sounded a little bit different than what we know of as the Lord's Prayer today. From Matthew 6 to Luke 11, things changed. Now, why is that? Did Jesus forget what he said the first time? No. Did he misquote it? No, he could have quoted that verse verbatim. He could have quoted that prayer specifically. No, you see, Jesus changed the wording for a reason. He had a reason for doing so. You see, Jesus did not mean for the Lord's Prayer to necessarily be repeated as a prayer. He meant for it to be a reflection of our prayer. It was to be remembered, to be reflected on. In other words, Jesus was not teaching us what to pray. He was teaching us how to pray. And we see that to be true in Matthew's accounts of the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, the Bible says, After this manner, therefore pray ye. And then it goes on to say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus didn't say pray this prayer. He said pray in this manner. Now there's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer. Nothing wrong at all. But he's not teaching them what to pray. He's teaching them how to pray. He's teaching them how to be personal in their prayer, how to grow in a personal relationship with Almighty God, how to fellowship with Him and talk with Him and experience power in their prayers. And He teaches them this method. You see, that's the key to a strong prayer life, making prayer personal. And believe it or not, if you look at the model prayer in its correct context, it is the most personal prayer of all. And that's what we're going to be focusing on for the remainder of this message today. This prayer, this model prayer that Jesus Christ gives. And we are going to break down the model prayer and learn how to commune with God on a personal level. Now, for the sake of understanding today, we are going to break down the model prayer found in Matthew chapter number 6. That's the one that we quote the most. That's the one that we know. The wording is basically the same. Uh, it's the same message. It's just worded a little bit different. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. And look at verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 9 through 13. And while you're turning there, I'll just go ahead and read that model prayer given. The Bible says, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that's a beautiful prayer. That's a beautiful model prayer that he gives. Now, if we look at this prayer, though, for what it is, a model given by Jesus on how to pray and what to pray for, you find out some things about this prayer. You find out that this prayer can actually be broken down into four different parts with eight different steps to get into a deeper relationship with God. Four parts 
eight steps to a deeper, more personal relationship with Almighty God. And we're not going to be able to get into all of that today. This is going to be a two-week message. We're going to look at half of it today. But this prayer all boils down to a strong relationship with God. Having a strong personal relationship with Almighty God. And that's what we see right off the bat in section one of this prayer. You see, section one begins with relationship. A relationship with God. You see, Jesus begins his teaching by highlighting our relationship with God. Look how he opens up in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. The Bible says, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So Jesus is teaching the people to begin by focusing on their relationship. He starts off by saying, Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. That's relationship. Now, in order to feel the weight and the wonder of that statement, we need to, again, look at the correct context. All right? You see, when Jesus taught them this prayer, praying and addressing God as Father was something unheard of to the disciples. This wasn't something that they heard before. It wasn't something that was taught, praying to God as Father. In fact, if you read the entire Old Testament, the 39 books in the Bible, the name Father is only used as a title for God 15 times. Only 15 times in the entire 39 books of the Old Testament. And none of which had to deal with prayer. None of which. Now compare that to the New Testament. The word Father is given as a title for God 165 times in the New Testament. A big difference from the Old Testament to the New. So when Jesus Christ was teaching this, he was revolutionizing the way that they understood prayer. You see, prayer is us talking to the Father. And Jesus wanted to get this point across. You see, when they were praying, they weren't just talking to their creator. They weren't just talking to their deliverer. They weren't just talking to the God of the universe. They were talking to their Father. And the same thing goes for us. That's who we're talking to. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So section one begins with recognizing our relationship with God, making it personal to us. And it opens up with a prayer of connection. A prayer of connection, connecting to our Father in heaven. That's the first step. And that's what verse 9 says. Our Father which art in heaven. Now, this opening statement explains to us how we start our prayers. The first thing that we do when we pray is we remember how much God loves us. That's what we remember when we are going to God in prayer. That's a prayer of connection. And that's what the first phrase is all about in the Lord's Prayer here. It's all about our relationship with God. Because prayer does not start with what you need, but who God is. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've called upon Him as Lord, the Bible says you were adopted into the royal family of God, and God is your Father. And because he's your father, that means he is a caring father, he is a consistent father, he is a competent father, and he is a close father. Now, some of you guys did not have a good father growing up, a good father figure, or no father figure. And the idea of God being father can be hard for us to, to wrap our head around if that's how we are built up, and that's how we grew up. But I can assure you today, 
that God is the greatest father you could ever dream of. He absolutely is. In fact, the Bible says he is the perfect father. Look what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 48. The Bible says, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. I've got the best father of all. My father who's in heaven, hallowed be his name. He is a perfect father. He's the best father ever. And the key to a strong prayer life is realizing who you're talking to. We are talking to our father when we pray. It's all about relationship. You see, Jesus wanted us to realize that God is not simply a power, but a person. And God is not simply a force, but our Father. He is our Father in heaven. And because he's your Father in heaven, that means you are his child, and he loves you. He loves you so much. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What out of this world's type of love is this? The Apostle John was writing to a family there. He was talking to them, and right in the middle of it, he just had to stop and praise the Lord. He was in awe of the fact that he was a child of God, right? What manner of love is this? What an amazing love. You see, God's love for us is far greater than we can ever imagine. He loves you more than you will ever comprehend. His love is long enough to last forever. His love is wide enough to embrace everything about you. His love is deep enough to pull you out of your deep despair. And his love is high enough to overlook every sin you commit. That's the type of love that God has for you. And he loves you more deeply and more compassionately than any earthly father or mother can love a child. And nothing can stop God from loving us. One of my favorite verses of all time is Romans chapter 8 and verses 38 and 39. And the Bible tells us, therefore, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the love that God has for us. Nothing can separate us from that love. And that's the type of love that God has for you. And he wants you to remember that each time you pray. He wants you to reflect on that love. He wants you to connect with him and remember how much he loves you. Our Father who art in heaven. So it starts off with relationship. And it starts off with a prayer of connection. But then it moves from a prayer of connection to a prayer of affection. Let's finish that verse now. The Bible says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So the first thing when I do when I pray is I remember how much God loves me. The second thing I do when I pray is I then tell God how much I love him. It's a two-way street. That's what a relationship is. Right? If I'm just talking to Hannah and, and, and just letting her uh, say how much she loves me and I don't say it back, that's not a really strong relationship. It's a two-way street. We learn, we remember how much God loves us, and then in turn we tell him how much we love him. And that strengthens our faith. And that, in a nutshell, is what this phrase means, hallowed be thy name. To pray, hallowed be thy name, is to put the emphasis on God first. That's what that means, putting the emphasis on God first. We are indicating that God comes first in our life. And we are desiring for God's name to be honored. 
for his name to be holy. You see, before we go to God and ask for things, we need to show some adoration and connection with him. Right? We need to worship him. We need to reverence him. We need to talk with him and spend time with him. And we need to address him by name. Right? It says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. As we approach God, we are acknowledging him for who he is. Now, remember, in the Bible, God's names tell us who God is. That's what his names mean. And, and we learn so many different uh, names of Jesus and names of God in the Bible. In Scripture, we learn that God is your creator who made you. God is your father who loves you. God is your savior who forgives you. God is your shield who protects you. And God is your comforter who gives you strength and help. And those are just a few names of God. I could do a whole year series on the names of God in the Bible. That's the names of Almighty God, our Creator, our Father, our Savior, our Shield, our Comforter. And all of those names, they detail how awesome God is, and they detail just how much God loves us. And therefore, we should return the favor and tell God how much we love Him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So the first section of this prayer completely revolves around our relationship with God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's all relationship from start to finish. God, uh, uh, us remembering how much God loves us, and then us telling God how much we love him. So section one is all about relationship. But then section two is all about reliance. Section one is relationship. Section two is reliance. We go from recognizing our relationship with God to then realizing our need for God. And that's what we see in verses 10 and 11. So let's go through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it goes on to say this in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Those two verses all revolve around Reliance. Reliance on God. You see, a strong relationship with God leads to a strong reliance on God. And the more we grow in our relationship with God, the more we realize just how much we need him in our life. Man, I can attest to that for sure. Man, my walk with the Lord has been good for a while, man. I've been growing in my faith. And the more I grow, the more I realize how small and low down I am and how much I need him. I thought that preaching would get easy after I became a pastor and preached every Sunday. And I tell you what, every Sunday before I come up to this pulpit, I realize that, man, I need God to help with this sermon or else it is going to be brutal and awful, right? The more we grow in our relationship with God, the more we realize just how much we need him. Relationship leads to reliance. And once we establish our relationship with God, we will come to this point of surrender in our life. This point of dedication in our life. And that's what verse 10 gives us, a prayer of surrender. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You see, once we establish our understanding of our relationship with God, the fact that God is our father, we are his children, he is ultimately in control, and he has our best interest at heart, once we realize that, once we understand that, 
we, can't, we then come to the point where we desire his will for our life. We want his will to be done, not our will to be done. We realize that his plan is far better than our own plan. Relationship leads to reliance. And you see, this is actually the key to experiencing power in our prayers. Recognizing this fact. Praying in line with the will of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because God is not going to answer prayer that's contrary to his will. He's just not going to do it. But he will answer prayers that are in line with his will. But in order to do that, it takes surrendering to his will to get his plan accomplished in our life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now you can say, Michael, isn't God's will going to be done regardless? No, God has set it up in a way where there are some things that are his will that cannot be accomplished until they are prayed for. Why? Because he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to rely on him. And that's why we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you something today. God has a perfect plan for your life. I talk about that every single week, and I probably will until Jesus comes back. He does, man. He's got a great plan for your life. Your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. He has blessings with your name on it. Dude, he has written a beautiful story for you right? This is all what God has for you. God has a plan. God has a purpose. You are his masterpiece. You are his poem. He's got this great plan for you, but he's not going to force you to follow that plan. He knows what's best for you. He wants you to live your best life, but in order to experience all that God has for you, it takes coming to the point where you say, not my will, but thine be done. It takes trusting in him and his will for you. God is not going to force you to follow his plan. God is not going to force you to follow his path. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. He's going to beseech you. He's going to urge you. He's going to plead with you. Man, I've got this for you. I've got these blessings for you. I've got this plan for you. But he's not going to force you to do anything. That takes away free will. He's given you free will for a reason. He wants you to rely on him. He wants you to trust in him. But the choice is up to us. Now, it's kind of like this, all right? We can live our life, our will, our plan for our life, and get off okay. Okay, right? It's kind of like this. This is my life right here. Raisins. How many of you guys like raisins? Eh, they're all right. right. This is my life. I can't tell if my cup is half full or half empty. Nothing wrong with raisins. It's okay. But God has something far greater planned for me. God has a plan for me. God has a will for me, but I can't see that plan. And so it comes to my point in my life where I say, do I want raisins or do I want to see what's in curtain number two? Do I want to see God's will for my life? Oh my goodness, I was touching the fire. Do I want to see what, what God has in store for me? Now you can't see what's going to happen, but based on your relationship with God, the fact that God is your father, He's in control. He has your best interests at heart. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. Based on that, we can come to the conclusion that God's ways are above our ways and that God's plan is far greater than our plan. But we have to make the choice. Do we want raisins or do we want to say, not my will, but thine be done? Now, when we take that step of faith and we follow him, not just once, 
not just a couple times, but daily. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We don't get a life of raisins. We get a life of chocolate, man. <laughs> we get some chocolate. We get a great life. Now, how many of you guys want me to throw some raisins at you right now? You guys want raisins? Or would you rather have raisins or chocolate? Chocolate. chocolate that's right. That's right. Here, take some. Oh, Doris. Sorry, Doris. See? Everybody wants chocolate above raisins, right? God's got a great plan for your life, but it takes coming to the point where you say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And ultimately, this is what prayer is. Prayer is getting in line with the will of God. E. Stanley Jones said it this way. He said, prayer is surrender. Surrender to the will of God and cooperation with that will. Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but aligning, the aligning of my will to the will of God. That's what prayer is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what it's saying. Amen? Hank Hanegraaff, in his book, The Jesus Prayer, he put it this way. I thought it was really good. He said, there is great peace in knowing that the one who taught us to pray, thy will be done, has every detail of our lives under control. Thus, whatever we pray for, whether it's healing or a house, when our will is in harmony with his will, he will receive what we request 100% of the time. If our will is in line with his will, he will receive what we request 100% of the time. That's the key, being in the will of God. 1 John 5, 14, the Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. He hears us. He answers our prayer. That's the key, right? The prayer of surrender. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we see a prayer of surrender. We see a prayer of affection. We see a prayer of connection, re uh, relationship, reliance. But there's one other prayer I want to focus on today, the prayer of supplication. We see a prayer of surrender in the reliance section, but then a prayer of supplication. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 11 now. He says, give us this day our daily bread. So now at this point in your prayer, if you're following this prayer template, this prayer outline that Jesus has given you, you have reflected on how much God loves you. You've told God that you love him, and you've told him that you are surrendered to his will. And after you accomplish those three things, now it's time to bring him your requests. And that's what he says in verse 11. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, this is the first time the word us is mentioned here. You see, up to this point, all of our direction all of our focus was placed on Almighty God and who he is. That's what the prayer was all about, focusing our, our connection and our adoration and our affection on God. It was directed on him. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's all directed toward him. Thy name. Thy kingdom. Thy will. But once we get to verse 11... Our focus shifts from God to us, our requests. And now just look at the remainder of the Lord's Prayer now. After we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we see this in verses 11 through 13. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. Our focus goes from God to our requests. The focus shifts to our needs. Now, why is that? Why did it go God first and then our requests? Why is that? Well, it's because it is only when we get a true understanding of who God is that we can have confidence and faith that he will answer our prayers. Getting an understanding of who God is. Going back to our message last week, we must believe that God is, right? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We need to believe who God is, the fact that he is our Father in heaven, and we need to believe that he rewards us, that he blesses us, that he has a plan for our life. Once we understand that, then when the requests come, we can have confidence, we can believe, so our prayers get answered. Because the key to experiencing power in prayer is not effort, it's not might, it's not my will, it's believing. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and he shall have them. That's why he puts the emphasis on God first. That's why he wants us to understand who God is first, so we can believe in order for him to bless. It takes faith. And once we understand how much God loves us, once we recognize how powerful and mighty and wonderful he is, and once we give our life to him, we can go to him in prayer with boldness, knowing that he will answer our prayer. And so I close this morning, and I say to you the same thing that the writer said in the book of Hebrews. Because of who God is, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can go to our Father boldly. We can go to our Father with confidence. We can go to our Father with boldness, knowing that God will answer your prayers because of who he is. But it all boils down to that relationship with Jesus Christ. Not what can I get from God, but how can I spend time with God? That's the key.